Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Podcasting and Platforms, where we help turn your passions into podcasts that build relationships. We tackle three problems on the show. The struggle to get out episode one, how to get past the nine-month slump once you've started, and overthinking and loneliness of content creation. And we solve it by exploring the tools, techniques, and strategies you need to craft compelling shows that create meaningful culture around your niche by changing the metric of podcasting success from downloads into the number of relationships created by your content. And this is our very first live event. If you all clap so they know you're live. Yes, thank you. My, co- my co-host. I've said that for 13 years, so it's, it's like habit. But my guest today is Moral. How do I say it? You've done it about 42 different times in the last 15 years. We go with moral, and I signed up for one of these, not a co-host. No, you're not. So you just get a co-host. This is, no. this is a, you get me once. The reason it's, his podcast is called The Boss Hog of Liberty is it started as an inside joke because we didn't think anybody listened to your show. Yeah. started in 2017, and we just did episode 335. And he's very bossy, so I wouldn't want him as a co-host because he'd boss me around. I would have never agreed to the name Boss Hog of Liberty. Do you have any, any, any idea how many times I've had to awkwardly explain that Chris Spangle named my show and nobody thought it was going to work out? No, he has like hundreds of people listening in his town, and they're all very confused Walking down it. the street, and somebody yells out, Boss Hog, and you go, oh, no. <laughs> So we are here live at Switchboard. This is our very first live podcast. We have, I don't know, maybe somebody could count how many people are in the room Uh, Had a great turnout to the first event. We're going to be doing this monthly here at Switchboard, and uh, we're going to talk about why. I want to start by thanking Builders and Backers, uh, which is an idea accelerator that kind of helped birth the idea of this. For the last four months, I've been working in this idea accelerator to clarify where I want to take things in my podcasting career, libertarian centrist politics just ain't what it used to be. <laughs> it's a little bit more difficult to be libertarian and not be crazy. It used to be really hard then too. It's just it's just gone in a different direction. My life's gone in a different direction, and so I'm really leaning into podcasting this year. That's right. Thank you, Lily. <laughs> Thank you. She understands. And so it starts by picking a problem to solve. And what's the problem that you want to solve? And I've been in media and broadcasting for 20 years, and what you learn in that is how incredibly lonely people are. Uh, if you work in any form of media or public uh, communication, you, you build a lot of friendships that you don't really know exist, <laughs> and uh, you have a lot of great conversations because as you put yourself out there, people start to talk back to you. It's called the parasocial relationship, where it's almost like a one-way friendship. And I've seen in my day job at Bob and Tom a lot of loneliness specifically. And is something that for a decade has like really weighed on me. How can we solve that? That's what motivated me to start thinking, what's the solution? How can podcasting be a solution to that? And in doing research for loneliness, I don't think I have to tell you guys that things are pretty rough <laughs> in the country. We've had a 300% increase in the deaths of despair I think the number is 28% of millennials have no close friends, zero. 
It's just as bad in Gen Z. You have 16% of people feel connected to their hometowns. Loneliness is an increasing problem, and I think it's only going to get worse in a world of AI. And over the last 20 years, we've focused on online solutions. Social networking can build friendships, and it certainly can. We talk every day in a group chat. It solidifies our relationship. But you really need that in-person connection. That is the thing that is missing. And I'm also, just as a, a person who deeply cares about liberal democratic capitalism and where the country's headed in our two political parties, we need connection at the local level in significant ways to just know what's real. <laughs> I think in the next 10 years, it's going to be very difficult to be online in any capacity and know what's real. But you know when Jeremiah recommends a restaurant or Andy recommends a book to read about politics, you know that's going to be solid because you know them in real life. You can have those conversations. And podcasting is great for fostering those conversations. And we're going to talk about We Are Libertarians and what we've done for 13 years and Boss Hog of Liberty a little bit more and how it's changed our lives. But the genesis of this event came out of that process of thinking about how to solve this. And I realized, what if we just started to do We Are Libertarians for podcasters to influence the influencers and get all of you who do podcasts to hold events like this? Or think about how you could do maybe a meetup. If you have a board game podcast, there's five board game stores here that could partner with you. There's a convention. There's You don't have to do a live podcast and have all the complexity. This event was funded by Builders and Backers thanks to the grant that they gave us and the Indie Redemptive Labs. So there's there was cost to this, which I'll be breaking down in future episodes so you can understand the cost of doing a live podcast so you can figure out where, okay, where do I have resources that I could access? <clears throat> and when I, do it, when I started doing that, I was really surprised. Switchboard is generously donating this space today because they care about that mission of creating community and it benefits you guys. It benefits them to bring people in and see their beautiful space. And that's a partnership that I didn't know I had until I actually started going out and talking to people and asking. Can podcasters start to dig into their networks and build ways to gather people together, maybe a board game meetup once a month. Our friend Harry with Low Key Wall. Low Key Wall started out as just, we started, what was it, Liberty and Chill? Yep, he'd, name. Get, he'd get a crowd together at, up at Fort Bend and hang yep. out, and next thing you know, they put microphones in front of themselves, and you yep. create an audience. There's an audience for anything. He's, he's been doing it every Friday night for about six years, I think, and it's formed the core of his new podcast. It's formed the core of his social relationships. The goal is focusing local, focusing on in-person. Why local? 60% usage in terms, of any, in terms of America, 60% of Americans have listened to a podcast. That's going to be 90 by the end of the decade. So we're not anywhere near saturation in terms of usage. But in terms of resources coming into the space... Radio companies, Sony Music, we've had a lot of people come in and bring celebrities with tailor-made audiences in the last few years. And that's made it a lot tougher for the independent podcaster. And there are very few local podcasts. There are very few people serving their local community in their niche. So if you wanted to start a business podcast, there are a lot of business podcasts, and they're all trying to go for scale. How many millions of downloads can I get to become an influencer in my space? Because we tend to think... Let's scale it, especially business podcasters, right? 
buy my course on how to build a course so I can get you to sell courses, right? That whole industry exists. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's a huge opportunity for podcasters themselves to start focusing on their local spaces. And how could I use networking to reach people? I was talking to somebody who was just walking in here in the space going, what's going on in here? Why are, there, why are you moving the couches? And they had thought about a podcast and they were like, oh, I could use that in my therapy work within this local community. And then also use it as advocacy to get people to understand what police are going through. That's a great example, right? Instead of maybe going national with it, how can we get local people, local leaders to understand what on a daily basis of your expertise? And I think as we start that process, we're going to begin to fight social isolation and we're going to start repairing fabric in our communities. We're going to start making a dent in loneliness. My vision moving forward is to help 500 podcasters and aspiring podcasters hold their first live event. That's what I want to do. That's what is going to be a core focus of this show going forward. And so how am I going to do that? How are we going to do that? You need 1,500 podcasters because 1,000 of them are going to be introverts that are terrified of people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I am a fairly introverted person, but I'm blessed to have married into a family of 15 golden retrievers. (laughs) My wife helps push us, helps push me out of my social circle. And there's also you, who's like king extrovert. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to achieve this goal? First, we're going to be here once a month. This space is going to let us use this space once a month. This is just the first of many. Please join the email newsletter list. If you're listening, you can go to podcastingplatforms.com, sign up there. Maybe at your table, you'll see a sign that says sign up for the email list. And I'll let you know where the next one is. And this is meant to serve as a model to others for me to learn on the go and explain to you what I'm learning so you can figure it out along with me and what does it cost? What are the ideas that others have had? We'll bring in a guest. We'll have 45 minutes to an hour of networking. You'll meet some local podcasters. You will hear from somebody that can share some wisdom from their podcasting. Not for me, but someone else at least. And then, yeah, please join that email newsletter list. That is Chris Spangle-centric, okay? So there's a whole network My business partner, Robert Vane, calls it the spider web of Chris Spangle Enterprises. Uh, You'll see up here, podcasting of platforms, that's the podcast about podcasting. But you'll also see in podcasting. What is that? A group of 10 of us met for dinner a little while ago just to chit-chat, and we started talking about what could podcasting be. Those are folks who are fellow podcast editors, Brad Miller, who runs uh, Pod Indie, who runs the podcast convention, you know, Jen Eads, who's, there's three original podcast editors, me, Jen, and Brad Shoemaker. Um, and, you know, that, that set up the idea of in podcasting. And so if you go to inpodcasting.com, I-N, like Indiana, this group of people, and we'd love more ambassadors to come online, we're spreading it around and creating one quarterly meetup for everybody. I want this live podcast to be one of many that engage within podcasting, right? So this is just when we're debuting this idea. People uh, have agreed to be ambassadors like the guys from No Dishes in Bloomington, Kat from the Fab Podcast, Fake Ass Book Club, (laughs) Brian Nichols, The Brian Nichols Show, people coming on to basically greet you when you walk in. So if you are that introvert, Jer is ready to shake your hands and walk up. And all of us going in to make that quarterly meetup a success. KJ, I should not forget KJ of KJ Today. 
I'm going to forget all the ambassadors. There's 10 of us. You can see all of us at the website. And then from there, we want to build, I don't know, showcases at the Antheneum of podcasters in a vertical, like all Indiana business podcasters, right? There's a ton of ideas that a lot of us have had and are going to work on that will come out of that in podcasting thing. But that's really for the community. We want to build a community of podcasters. And so those of you who are wearing green name tags who want to start a podcast, when you come in, you can look at the people who have the yellow name tags who host a podcast or the red for the ambassadors. Hey, the panic in the faces right now of people that realize that the name tags had colors and a reason. Half, I'm on my second name tag. Brian over here is on his yeah. third of the day. We paid very little attention Look, to the rules. We didn't execute the welcome very well. That's on me because I was 45 minutes late. But yeah, so it's really just about helping new podcasters get started as people want to start a show. And then lastly, in the next month, I'm going to be starting a community-based course on all this called the Podcast Connect Method where people can learn a lot. You can also go to leadersandlegends.net where you can learn about my services I've tried to structure a whole range of price points where I can help folks with their podcasting. And I'm happy to announce today that Switchboard and I are partnering on a podcast studio over at the other building. So if you want to see where that space is going to be, then please stick around. We'll go show you that afterwards. And so we're going to have a space where content creators can come and create content. But first, we have to convince you to go local and take that risk because there's a lot of people talking about that broader context which is why we're going to talk to Jeremiah today. I'm going to stop the monologue. We're going to actually hear from him after this, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. How many in the crowd have been thinking about starting a podcast for months or years, but can't seem to get it off the ground? Raise your hand. All right. So we've got six or seven hands here, right? That's our one day to publish is a four hour session of group coaching that will help you develop your idea into your first published episode at the end of the session. We're going to teach you how to structure your show, what equipment to buy, how to publish to a podcast directory, and everything in between. The best part is that you're not only going to leave with a great foundation, but you're going to have five others that will encourage you on your path to podcast success. So go to podcastingandplatforms.com and click one day to publish on the sidebar to purchase your seat now. The first one will be March 30th. We've only got six seats available. We want to keep it pretty small, and it'll be here at Switchboard. So please sign up right now at podcastingandplatforms.com. Welcome back to the show. All right. Let's talk about Boss Hog of Liberty and the We Are Libertarians podcast network. We have had, gosh, 5 million downloads on the We Are Libertarians podcast network over 13 years, 75 co-hosts. My marriage came from it. Your marriage actually began at one of our live shows, did it not? That's right. We were at Morty's Comedy Club, and that's where my wife finally found me. And a few months later, she snagged me. It yeah. started at a podcast. You too should start a podcast, folks. Yeah, it started just doing a college outreach podcast at the Libertarian Party of Indiana, and turned into uh, it's turned into it's on the downslope right now. That's my fault. Uh, we had people like Brian Nichols, and gosh, uh, all the shows I'm forgetting right now because I'm in front of a crowd, but. Um, enemy of my enemy, low-key wall, and it's been really the core of my friend group. I don't know about you, you have a lot of friend groups too, but I mean, the core of our friend group group really feels like we are libertarians people. It's been a very big part of my life over the last 10 to 12 years, and I know we're going to talk about how Boss Hog started and where we came from. It definitely came from the wall show, right? From the main wall show, and I was a guest and a contributor, and I would, just like you talked about at the start of the show, 
you listen to a podcast, you feel like, oh, these are my friends. So you want to go hang out with them. You want to go be a part of it. And you get yourself inter- intertwined in that show and you create this familial experience. Yeah. And ultimately, I live halfway between Indianapolis and Dayton. I wasn't coming to, in- to come in to do a show every week here. So well, it's- let me just for the people who are new, we are libertarians, the old format before I got married and my wife said I couldn't have people at our kitchen table anymore. That's a joke. She's, she's going to get mad at me because people think that. But it just wasn't conducive. My life changed in 2019 when I started having a relationship and moved out of my apartment. And But w- it was really structured after like Bob and Tom, Howard Stern, talking about politics, right? So we were all libertarians, and it was just a group of friends chatting about politics. And it still is that in some ways under the Chris Spangle show, although it's different. And you didn't want to come to Indianapolis anymore. Right, <laughs> you would occasionally. I, I would. I would still make visits, and I still. I still do if I'm invited and I participate in stuff. And you never really know. I can tell you right now, we've done 335 episodes of Boss Hogger Liberty. You don't know what your show is going to be week one, right? I know the goal is, hey, what's this going to be? How's it going to take off? What's what is it going to? We didn't know. Chris came to my house, and Sarah <laughs> was there, and two or three other friends, and we're sitting around, and we just we put down an episode. I lent didn't, you a podcast board. When are you giving that back? You invested in our show. And you sold it and I never s- gave me the I money. I sold it, got a couple hundred dollars, <laughs> reinvested the profits. Okay. And, and the end result is that we have a fully functional podcast studio in downtown Newcastle, Indiana, yeah. that, that uh, we have a network of patrons that help make it happen, and we have a legitimate space we go to. We do a live show every Thursday night, live stream to YouTube, Facebook, and then I'll plug the show, BallsHogerLiberty.com. All of the, everything's there, iTunes. Chris takes care of all the back-end stuff, the same yeah. things that he's offering for his services. Everything that you see there is hosted through, through, um, through Chris's network. But we didn't know what it was going to be when we started. Yeah. We didn't know what it was going to turn into. You do one or two episodes, and myself and Dakota Davis, who is my forever co-host, we started episode one together. And we didn't know what it was going to be. By week five or week six, we're sitting around my dining room table, and I would have, have a little podcast set up, take it out, put it out, record a show. It's friends sitting around and you, you're just starting to figure out what the world's going to be. And we realized we had access to a local network of folks. We had a county councilman that kind of wanted to be a part of, part of the show. Clay Morgan, our county councilman, would come and he'd sit down and he became a co-host. And then you start to just bring in different characters and different people in your world. And then it develops that network. And by about week 15... Dakota had come to your house, to your kitchen studio, and he said, I want to do this too. So we built out a studio in Dakota's spare bedroom before he was married and committed. It's really... <laughs> this yeah. is the way it goes. That's why I'm getting a podcast studio so we could yeah. maybe do it in person a little more. So we had about a year in his studio, and we had everybody under the sun would come through. We had state senators. We had everybody running for Congress in the 6th Congressional District six years ago, and we just started developing these relationships with folks and... You never know how the network's going to grow. But essentially what happened is we had, we would just use the platform of the guests that came on. And then I'm a big fan of the Dinner with Racers podcast. They say everything starts with a con, right? So you talk to a county councilman and, and that kind of gives you a little credibility. You, you talk to a county councilman and the next thing you know, you've got a... What did I do? Never mind. Switch it back. Chris, Chris is not helpful today. You got to leave it to the professionals, sir. <laughs> All right. Essentially, what we did is we just started building and we said, hey, we have this one person. And then we use the, the, the credibility of that person to lead to the next. And over that first 20 or 30 shows, 
we found ourselves talking from one elected government official to hosting every single person that was running for office. And then it started to paint the picture of, I guess we're a political talk show where we just, we talk to candidates, we talk to thought leaders. And that's what has brought the show forward over the last six years. Did it just happen organically or did you just decide I'm going to focus on my local community of Henry County and Newcastle, Indiana? We made a decision that th- this is these are the folks that we have access to and this is the network we have. And we said, hey, we want to do a consistent show. So we want to answer the bell and we picked a day of the week. We started on the weekends and we said, this is crowding what we're going to do. So we said Thursday nights. We can do Thursday nights. And then it's okay. Who can we get? We have... we. A lot of podcasts are on a telephone or on Skype. We are an in-person, face-to-face show. We made the decision that we are more comfortable. The show is better if everybody sits together and we have that Bob and Tom style conversation where everybody's sitting around talking together. Yeah. So we were not going to get somebody out on the West Coast to fly to Newcastle, Indiana to play on our show. So generally speaking, it's folks that are within 100, 150 miles and they come in and they make it happen. And... We just have a conversation. So that was a matter of what was possible as to how we could structure it. And then we said, if we focus on the issues of, of our community in Newcastle, Indiana, you create a character, you, you paint the picture of who these folks are. And we've talked in, about some of these people for so long that they have become characters in the minds of our audience. So I'll start to name some names. Our, our friend, comrade Darren Jacobs, was the planning commissioner for the community. He would come on the show. He'd be perfectly fine with us. But we had a few fights that we picked with Darren on the show. And maybe we made them a little bit more robust than they actually were. But we would come on and we would say, hey, here's what we think is wrong here. And he would come on. He would defend himself. And we would do that with all of these different elected officials. And they become a part of the fabric of the program. And they create the network. But we talk about, hey, my front yard's getting dug up because they're doing some major sewer project. My sewer bill is going to go up $35 a month. That's not a problem just for me. That same issue happens in Henry County, Indiana. That's happening to our listeners that might be in Cincinnati, our listeners that are in California. You have a patron from Hawaii. We have patrons in New York State, Hawaii. We have regular listeners in California, Florida, all over the country. And it's because the issues that we talk about, the kitchen table issues on our show, are the exact same thing that happens across the state or across the country. There's nothing unique about it. Hence your tagline. Or East Centralia's favorite podcast. You're right. The that's that's one. the one I like. Which one did you assign to me? National Impact Local something. Yeah. National Impact Local Issues. Local yeah. Issues, National Impact. What have been the benefits of focusing locally? I There's a newspaper in Henry County, Indiana, but I've talked about your show with almost every person I've ever had a sales call with or had a conversation about podcasting with. I'm like, if we could just build Boss Hog in every county in Indiana or across the nation, it would be great because you have a local newspaper and they do their best, but that model's tough, whereas a podcast funded by patrons, your costs are very low, you're just dedicated to it, you have enough money to cover the rent of the studio downtown, and you have a few hundred people a week watching and listening, and when candidates want to have a debate, they come to you. Yep. And you actually had police show up to the last debate. <laughs> we, one of our most dramatic events was when they had the, the uh, Democrat and Republican sheriff's candidates uh, show up. And uh, that was a very spirited uh, debate with a number of officers that showed up outside to keep the peace just in case it spilled out outside <laughs> when, the, when the show was over. Um, but I think it's, uh, my point being is Henry County is not going to have the, the space 
for those candidates to have those conversations. And as media continually contracts, thankfully we have the Indiana Debate Commission here, but in other states you don't have full actual debates. And you could argue that these debates are all a charade anyways, but what you offer by having a conversation between the candidates I think is really important. We have real, actual conversations with folks. They have all the time they need. A show might last an hour and a half. And we have legitimate conversations with folks. And you can, our audience can get to know, hey, this person actually knows what they're talking about. They have a heart for it. They're interested in it. And we've had made great friends on the absolute far political left and the absolute far political right. And we've been inclusive of everybody. But you're libertarians. But we are, we're libertarians. I've run for office and been interviewed on my own show and didn't get to sit in my own chair. And we played it fair. <laughs> but then the next week, you won't just do the interviews. You'll go ice no. fishing. No, exactly. We, right. we have, this is, it is, it's politics, it's local government, it's arts, it's entertainment, it's sports. We've had folks that have played in the NBA. We've had reporters. We've had comedians. We've had economists. There's a number of folks in this room that have been guests on the program. It's not, it's an us show, right? Yeah. And in some ways, if you're going to have a podcast, you have to do something that's going to entertain yourself. And there are themes and there are things that we do. So the local politics, the local government is very true to our hearts, but you can only talk about the same issue for eight weeks in a row before yeah. you have to, before you have to do something different and, and you beg yourself to go find a comedian to come talk to. But I think most podcasts about podcasting or branding podcasts or like that whole space Look, just pick your niche, drive into it. I do that a lot, and I think that's appropriate for a lot of people. But one thing that, that you do really well is we're just going to be a variety show. Yep. Um, and, and you have to realize that it's going to change. Over the course of time, what you're interested in, what you're going to do is going to change, but your audience is going to follow you, and they're going to listen, and you're going to pick up new people, and you're going you're gonna to develop a skill set. And I will tell you that having a podcast has helped me in the day, in my day job. I'm a salesman by trade. I have customers that ask me about the show. I'll go to lunch and I'll sit down. Hey, what's going on in your show this week? You still doing your show? It, they love to talk about. It, they love to hear about it. And if you've interviewed, if you've interviewed Andy Horning when he's running for U.S. Senate, you know it's a big deal. And you should. If you've interviewed candidates running for Senate or Governor or U.S. Congress, when you're sitting down with a customer, you're not afraid. You've you are developing a skill set by continuing to communicate and work on yourself in that way that translates to your day job. So it's not wasted time. Yeah. What are some other benefits? What has the community response been to the show? Let's go with that. Yeah. So the community has been very supportive to the point where I tell my wife, it's my golf game. I, the show exists on its own. It pays for itself. And we have a community of folks that legitimately care enough to invest their money into the show to make sure it goes on. And it's somewhere between NPR and and Bob and Tom and and Meet the Press. All of those things rolled into one. And, With and a little had, bit of Mayberry in there. And then there's and then there's some Mayberry too. We have developed relationships with folks that run the community, the business owners, the the elected officials, the folks that are actually volunteers that are making things happen in our town. I can pick up the phone and they'll take my calls. Yeah. You've developed a relationship where you have a network of people that you can go to that that take you seriously and they know that we're in it for the right reasons. Yeah, and unfortunately, as things deteriorate in terms of our politics, I see more and more over the last 20 years, people need, I guess for lack of a better term, a Sherpa, somebody well-connected to help them get into a space to actually get heard because there's not really customer service with government. And I think you've been an important conduit for people who just don't have a voice to be a community advocate too. 
Yep. And I, I can tell you that the show is one thing we do and it creates a, creates an audience. But I, I spend a whole lot of evenings connecting folks and, and inter- people that help us out on the show. If you're part of the family, you're part of the family. So if somebody's trying to buy a car, I say, hey, go see my friend John. He's done a great job with our family and he's taking care of it. If, if you, got, you send me one more car dealer in Newcastle, I'm going to scream. If, if and I'm need, not moving to Newcastle. If, it's not happening. If you, need a, if you need to buy a set of tires or get a transmission replaced, we've got a guy. We've got a florist that's taken care of us for years. The uh, the slick pickle party bus and sanitation. Enough uh, a long a long Enough time plugs. supporter of us. He loves name drawing. You can tell he's a salesman. He's a, he's a my buddy. I haven't said the company I work for yet. Yeah. You want to? No, it's a no. God, no, no. I don't. Th- I didn't think they wanted but to be associated. But if you do need fabricated rebar, call me up. <laughs> if any of you are building a bridge, yeah, uh, he's your man. All right, so let's end with what advice would you give to somebody that wants to start a podcast? Jump in. Go for it. Don't worry about what it's going to be. Take, just go and give yourself enough time to to determine what it's going to turn into. Because I had, we had literally no idea. The, our show has fundamentally changed four times over seven years, and the scale has changed significantly as well. But just go for it and d- determine what your style is and what you're comfortable with. Chris can sit down and he can do a show for two hours by himself, and he has pages and pages of notes. I have my co-host Dakota. I have Zach Burcham, who's an incredible contributor, and he is he has been our producer and he comes and he shows up every week and makes it happen. Get your network of people together and figure out what you're comfortable with and then just start. There's it's- a joke too I want to interject before you finish about could men just have a vulnerable conversation without it being on a podcast? And it is true, but I'd say the more podcasts the better because one thing about men is they need a shared project together. Like it's and sports is that thing but podcasting is i think edged in there because zach shows up because he's part of a group of men that you're sharing your life with each other which i think is a huge it's, victory it's thursday night book club right yeah, it, yeah it legitimately is a place to come on a thursday night and participate and everybody has a role and we'll find a place for to be part of it and there are a core number of folks that are a part of it but there are seven or eight folks that we consider co-hosts that, that come in and have an open door and we have to find a, a seat for them any week they want to be a part of the program or be a part of the conversation. Uh, but you don't know what's going to turn into it. Start where you are today and maybe it's you and a group of friends. Maybe it's just you and you have a talent or a niche you want to go to. I can tell you that in podcasting, you have the opportunity to microcast in an incredible way. And you may have this thing that you think nobody else cares about. Nobody else understands or wants to hear about this little niche podcasting opens the entire world up and if it's a board game podcast there's people that care if it's a for me motorsports huge right there's an entire realm of people across the world that are interested in motorsports and i force that on my boss hog audience all the time yeah whatever it is whatever you're interested in there's a niche for it and you can be successful yeah and it's really at the end of the day why I opened in the new opening with changing the metric of success for podcasters, that's the obsession is downloads. How many downloads do I have? Maybe you know your downloads? I have literally no clue. And we will we'll live stream and I'll look at Facebook. And sometimes there might be a huge week and there's 80 people watching a live stream. Sometimes I look at it and go, there's four people that are with us right now. <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Because I know, first of all, I, we're not about the live stream. We are, we're a podcast first. I tell our audience that every day. I said, yeah, there's people watching. Yeah, there might be some questions that come up and we'll interact with the folks that are there. But number one, we're a podcast first. There happen to be cameras here. I ignore them. I, I'm happy if they work and they're online. But that's not what I worry about. I worry about the podcast audience. 
And two, this thing's out there for years. I don't care if somebody listens to it this week or next week, the week after. I don't care if anybody listens to it. Because the truth is hundreds of people listen to it over time. Yeah. And it's not about the numbers. We paid the bills this month. We're set. And I'm concerned about the show existing so that it's there two years from now, three years from now, so that we have the capacity to, to do the community work that I feel like we do. During COVID, we were the only way the community got to hear from folks running for election in 2020. Yeah. There were no public events. There was no mechanism for these folks to get together to be heard. So we would get together in the studio and we'd make it happen. Yeah. Socially distanced and whatever people were comfortable with. But if it wasn't for that existing, there's there would have been a the lowest information election we had ever had. Yeah. It's I'm glad it exists and I who knows what 2024 is going to look like. And the like. cool thing about Newcastle is it's crazy. So there's wild turkeys on the run and windmill fights and, oh my gosh, you moved the Doughboy statue. And it's so you, you get to know your community in a fun new... And it, we, we started a Facebook page for the Newcastle turkey that broke loose and uh, still torture that community with Millions it. Millions of people knew about the turkey that lost its life on Memorial Drive. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're going to take questions for... for uh, Jeremiah from the audience, if there are any, if you can get up here, we'd love for you to talk into the mic. But if not, uh, you can just shout it out. Uh, any questions that you'd like to ask? Levi, go ahead. Yeah, so the question for the audience playing at home is how do you manage everything from the audience to the technology to the prep and all that stuff? I explained to somebody this week, it's like doing Saturday Night Live every week. You know you're going to do a show and you don't know what it's going to look like or how it's going to happen. Some weeks you have it perfectly planned out and you know what it's going to be. And some weeks it's Thursday and your co-host has got to go make sure the town has electricity that day. So you're all of a sudden flying solo and you don't know what it looks like. Um, You figure it out. Generally, what we do is we do a one-page show notes, right? I have three or four topics we're going to talk about and I've researched them. And having that room full of folks really helps me. So that I don't have to do the Chris Spangle 25 pages of research and, and notes ahead of time. Um, and you just get you get good at it. Yeah, uh, the, the wall model was, especially in the early days, like, let's just, look, 7 p.m. on Thursday, I'm going to find some people to be there. If I didn't have time to prep, we're still going to have a show and we're going to talk. And I think in a lot of ways, that was a better show than the one I'm doing now, which is... I really need to laser focus on this issue and do a ton of research. And it's, and then the prep, the, the back end stuff is getting easier with AI. There's some things, I mean, you have to be really careful with it. I can tell you that I but, can, it's about four hours for me to do a one hour show. I would yeah. say it's about a four hour investment. I've got about an hour and a half, two hours in the studio. I will, with the setup that Chris has for me, I do not edit out the ums, the ahs, the anything. You get a live show, right? There's a the front end of the show. There's a there's about a twenty second. It's there every time. Drop that in. You got your main show, and then you run it through a processor that cleans it up a little bit, and then you type a narrative for the show. This is what it was. You drop it on the website and you move on. It's very. It can be very straightforward. Yeah, I think the answer is sometimes we overthink it, and sometimes you just got to do it. Have fun, Andy. Then Lucy. AI is bringing on a lot of different tools. There are some people who rely a lot on ChatGPT to do all their prep for them. And then they have all their show notes written by it. And you can tell, right? (laughs) But things like ChatGPT, for instance, let's say you're you're trying to do a history podcast. And you can have it, you can input a bunch of information. Uh, I'll give you a good example of how I've used AI for this show, right? I've taken the transcript 
of every single episode of this podcast that I've done. And I've put it into a single chat GPT thread. And I've said, I want you to learn how I talk. I want you to learn how I write. I want you to learn the lessons that I've taught. And then I want you to help structure that. I've written out a whole four-hour course, right? And I've put all that data into it. So then when it comes along, make suggestions for an intro to this podcast that I read today. I would say I use 10 to 20% of it, but it's a great way to get me thinking about it. It gives me a good direction, right? And it understands my voice a lot better because it's taken the transcripts. And all of those transcripts were created by uh, Descript. Descript is an editor that you can use that you edit by transcript instead of the way that I've edited audio for 20 years, I have to listen to it in time, in synchronous time, right? So now I can put it in the transcript and go, oh, okay, uh, let me search for the word, and then this whole chunk I want gone, boop, it just it makes it a lot easier to edit those things. Uh, so those are some ways that AI is changing things to make the whole process a little bit easier. So show notes are a great example, right? I use ChatGPT every day at work. There's times where I'm not, don't listen, Noah. There's times where I'm not going to listen to a 20-minute thing that I listened to earlier. I remember in the morning the kind of the gist of it. So I'll put it into ChatGPT, the transcript, and say, give me like the four things that happened in this as a description. And then I'll go and rewrite that completely. But instead of having the, like having to sit here and go, oh, I got to watch this again. I got to take another 20 minutes to rewatch it. Oh, thanks for jogging my memory. So it saves me 15 out of 20 minutes because now it takes five minutes instead of 15. There's a lot of ways that AI is going to make the job of pre and post production a lot easier and tools that podcasters can use to save time and make some of that easier. You still have to know what you're talking about. You still have to have that base. You still have to read books. You can't go into ChatGPT and say, write me a podcast on the breakdown of Israeli and Palestinian relations. It's going to give you the worst, most generic, non-specific stuff. It's, it just doesn't work. But yeah, Lucy, come on up. Let's hear your question. Thank you. I'm a big extrovert as well, so I don't mind coming up here. I actually have a three-part question for okay. you, so you might want to take notes. The first thing is, for people that are starting a brand new podcast, how do they get people that are notable already celebrities in their space to come on your podcast yeah. when you're new so that you can then leverage through their audience to get more views and get more patrons. Let's start. Let's, are they all related? Or yeah. Can I answer that quickly? And just step, because you're the speaker's right there. Step this, that way. There we go. Ask. So we had Joe Ruiz on in 2013 as one of our co-hosts. And Joe's, we're like a libertarian podcast with 200 listeners. And he's, I'm going to reach out to Pitbull and see if we can get him on the podcast. Joe, I don't think he's going to come on the podcast. No, just don't bother Pitbull. It was literally a suggestion that he had. It always still makes me laugh. Or Ron Paul or anybody. So we got Ron Paul on the at the time in 2012. That was cool. Still maybe cool. But back in 2012, it was really cool. <laughs> but it's just because Joe asked. And the biggest regret that I have about my libertarian podcast career is that I didn't network enough and I didn't ask enough for people to get engaged and be involved and come on, especially people of note. So when I went to the convention in 2018, Mark Clare, who asked and had a lot of people from the stream we were in on his show because he did an interview show, had way more relationships. Nobody knew who I was because my show was a lot. It was this template of friends getting together, talking about it. 
And part of that was just my own shyness. It was me not taking a chance. Folks so, will meet you halfway, though. I mean, yeah. they will. If you ask, the worst somebody's going to do is say no. The, I, I would say ninety percent of the time, people say yes. Yeah, and I, and I, like I talked about, it was it's about elevating, right? It's using the network of it, once you get that first guest on, who else do they know? Will they allow you to build a little bit more credibility to get the next person on? And that's how you that's how you build it together. Okay, next question, and then we're going to end with Lucy, unfortunately, but if Jared will be here for a few minutes after, you can talk to him. Okay, so there's two more parts. Okay. The next part is, how do we know when it's time to hire somebody like you to build our podcast? Immediately. <laughs> okay, that was easy. I've got kids. Don't leave without hiring today. Yes, by today. I think that there's, it's different with every person, right? Some people have the budget, and they don't have the time, and they don't have the desire, Right. Some people, and that's why I have a whole, if you have pick up a business card on the way out or go to leadersandlegends.net, that's why I'm trying to expand it because I want to help as many people as possible. And not everybody has the budget to come on and say, look, I'm at a, we're an organization with a $5,000 a month retainer. I'm an independent podcaster who maybe has a budget of $400 a month, right? So there's all those different, some people just want to focus on the content. They just want to, and you're in this vein in a lot of ways, right? Starla, who just walked out, she's, I'll hire you to do the editing. I just want to focus on creating. I don't want to know what an RSS feed is. I don't want to know how to upload it. You just take care of that. But then there's guys like my buddy Sean here from the Environmental Transformation Podcast. Starla, this is how to think. I messed it up. I'll have to edit that part out, put it in the actual name. Sean wants to do all of it. And then every few months, he'll be like, look, I got a problem. I can't figure this out. Let me buy an hour of time. There's a bunch of different ways to know, look, I just don't have the time, but I've got a budget, or I want to do it because I want to understand the content creation process, but I need to know what I don't know, right? And I'm usually pretty good about making up an answer when I don't know. If you have that question, then hit me up. But yeah, and the other thing is space. I'm at that point where we have to have a space for the way that our lifestyle is. Maybe you want to do an interview show and you can't bring people over, which is where I'm at. And so you want to rent a space or you want to you know, be a part of that. Thank you for allowing me to self-promote. I appreciate it. I, that's one of my goals is to be able to hire you. So I didn't know, should I do it now? Should I do it later? You should do it now because... Your prices are going up tomorrow. No, Matt, they already did. <laughs> Matthew, I didn't sell for six months. <laughs> then I sold a lot and now I'm busy. Yeah, act fast monetization. I hear yeah. a lot about Patreon. I'm getting ready to start on school. There's nobody really doing homesteading on school, which is what I'm doing is homesteading. What are your favorite ways to monetize? And can you speak to the pros and cons of affiliate arrangements, Patreon and all that? Thank y'all. Yeah, the, this is like the first, the cycle of people when they, when a new podcaster reaches out and we do our first consultation, I already bought my equipment. I know you're going to tell me about all the wrong stuff and they did. And they have to return it so we can get something that works differently. And then how am I going to make money off of this thing? There's a bunch of different ways, but those are not the questions you ask first. The first questions are, what value are you going to actually give to your audience? What am I going to get out of the time I'm spending with you? And secondly is, how, like, how consistent can you be? How many times are you going to actually serve the audience? What's your schedule look like? And then work through that. There's a whole step-by-step -step process. Fifth is monetization. People start with step four and five, and they need to go to step one, two, and three, which you can learn more at podcasting and platforms and get the PDF, and I, and I walk through that. 
And that's what a lot of the podcast has been up to this point. Monetization comes in a few different ways. Advertising, which I think you guys have some advertising from the local community. Advertising is way easier at the local level. That's a whole other reason that I'm making this push. It's because when that's one of the reasons that we are libertarians has run out of steam. It's gotten big enough and expensive enough, yet doesn't make enough money that we're now almost upside down and I'm paying for it, right? Because a national talk show can't bring in the right amount of sponsorship compared to Boss Hog of Liberty, who the pizza place down the street goes, hey, let's get some sponsorship. Car dealerships, sporting goods stores, yeah. florists, the, the folks that you know in your community that want to be a part of it. And they're, they see the value in the network of people and their name being in front of the folks that come on our show. It's the basic blocking and tackling. The business owners that you're friends with, they're probably going to be the ones that are going to support your program, especially in the beginning. Second is community support, Patreon. But you've got to have a community, right? One more word on advertising. I've not worked with anybody that didn't get some form of advertising or sponsorship right up at the beginning to pay my expense for almost the year. Because when you start a podcast, it's going to come from the people that support you. It's going to come from your network. It's going to come from half the people here today or people like Andy that I've known for over 20 years, right? Or my mom and and my sister, right? And my very bored five-year-old. Those are the first listeners to your podcast. And in that network, are there people that have a business and want to reach your community and are willing to invest in the beginning? And the answer is almost always yes. You just have to ask. Community support comes later. You really have to build that community. It takes a little bit of time. Merch does not really work. I'm just going to be honest. Some podcasts, I think can pull that off. Dishes from Bloomington is here or Harder Brunch. Uh, like when you have a cool vibe and you have a graphic artist who's a co-host, it's a little bit easier to do cool merch right, than maybe some other podcasts. But I see a lot of people invest in merch and spend too much money and then have a lot of product left over. But really advertising and community support are going to be your best bets. Just find ways like Patreon to say, look, if you get something valuable about this podcast, then please support it. All right. And and take care. Serve your patrons too, right? Yeah. We will send postcards. We'll send t-shirts. We'll do stuff to try to take care of the people that are taking care of us. And we don't really make a promise as to what it's going to be. It's just when there's a unique opportunity to do something special for them, you do it. And you try to hold them close. And you are never going to be able to say thank you enough or in the right ways. But the patrons are the people that really believe in you. And they continue to support you. So whatever you can do to try to do something just a little special, hug them, they'll hug you back. So I'm going to bring in Emily from Switchboard. And everybody give a round of applause and say thank you to Jeremiah for his time today. Please have a seat. Yeah, did you, I told you I wanted you to have, have you on. Are you nervous? A little bit. I oh. wasn't expecting this. Okay. So. Well, I want you to plug Switchboard because uh, we met at a networking event. And I briefly talked about the idea. And you were like, we got to talk. I want to have you come down. I'd love for you to talk about the mission of Switchboard and why you wanted us to come and use your space and move your chairs (laughs) at no expense. Because the reason is that I think people think it's hard to go out and find partners. Hmm. but And so they don't ask because they're shy, speaking for myself for the last 40 years. But you were eager to say yes. 
why. I love it. So we are a co-working space where you're sitting and I love seeing some of my people here. We have about a hundred businesses in here in different capacities, all different things. Just looking around, I see from my people, financial advisor, lawyer, translation, real estate, lots of different business types. But we wanted to create a space for people to launch their businesses. Sometimes you just need to get out of your house. You need something that helps you be a little bit more productive. You need to be around other people, not just isolated by yourself. And so we created this space to be that. So some people come in and they co-work. They work just in this space. They bring their laptop set up. And then you're still around other people who are working Some people have private offices. Some of you that I'm looking in here started as co-workers, moved to offices, and are running your businesses out of here. You have employees now. So that's been really exciting for us. But our primary goal in creating this was to build community, to say people shouldn't be at home in isolation just trying to slog through getting stuff done. And so we're, in a lot of ways, each other's people. Tanya called me late at night when it wasn't late, but in the evening after work one time to ask me a question. Just, I'm struggling with something. How can we help? I love that. I know Austin's kids. I know, I just know your life situations and I value that highly. So when I heard, I I think, I don't know if we beelined to each other, but I was like, I want that. I want you in my space and I want your people in my space because just, I, I don't think any of us work well off on our own in isolation. How can people learn more about Switchboard if they want to come check out the place? And, and she'll be giving tours if anybody's interested. Maybe we can, and I will take you over to 810 and show you that's the space where we're going to launch the studio in the next month. Yeah. But yeah, if people want to learn more, how can they join Switchboard? So go to our website, which is www.switchboardindy.com, and that gives all the kind of options for membership on there. Or I'm going to be here afterwards. Feel free to talk to me. People who work in Switchboard just Throw your hands up really quick because there, there are at least four of you in here. Like a half a dozen at least. Yeah. yeah, so feel free to talk to any of them about their experience working here. But I'm going to happily talk to anybody here or take you over to the other space. We have a few offices available. Co-working is always available. I'd love to tell you more. All right. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate Thanks, it. Um, want to give a big thank you to Builders and Backers, Donna Harris, Nick Greco, Greg Enos, uh, Sajan George, and their support in funding this, putting this together, and just helping me clarify my idea. And I want to thank Noah Haler of Noahlation Studios, who does great video work. One of the best. <laughs> Noah, sorry if I'm share- oversharing, but Noah had a car accident where he totaled his car and was like, don't worry, I'm going to be there. And I'm like, if you have a concussion, don't come. We'll figure something out. But he's just a super pro. So if you need any video needs, Noah's your man. Thank you to Corey Marie for her photography. You'll see her great shots. Great photographer. And thank you to my wife. She needs a round of applause. Come on. <laughs> She's been a huge help and support. And Lauren also. Lauren's a great podcast manager and my sister-in-law and a video editor as well and just does great work too. So thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you all. And thank you to everybody that watched online and listens later. You got questions, Chris at podcastingandplatforms.com. Thank you so much, everybody. Feel free to hang out and uh, continue talking. Uh, or, or if you want to talk to Emily, she'll be here or whatever. I don't. We don't have to rush out is what I'm saying. If you leave quickly, I won't be offended either. <laughs> <laughs>